Thinking God podcast. I wanted to answer uh, a couple of emails at the beginning here, uh, and I think it would be good to remind some of my new listeners. A lot of people have joined us in the last few months to sort of explain why I'm doing this podcast. Uh, The first question was one that I had earlier called, why is it called Thinking God? And the reason is fairly simple. And the world I live in, no matter how important I believe a connection to higher power is, that often takes a back seat to whatever I may have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. This is especially true for somebody like me who's embraced faith for many years and really many decades. And at the beginning of my sixth decade, my familiarity with the things of God slowly have made my daily consciousness of all that that entails. It's me going days or even months without uh, considering anything much more than the dogmatic academic part of it. Um, it uh, Even when serving the community and doing the things I know are important, uh, it's easy to drift unconsciously away from any source and reason for any desire to serve or to do anything at all. Uh, still read a lot of books, uh, especially those with fresh perspectives and keen insights. And I'm listening to a lot of podcasts by those who are taking faith seriously in pragmatic ways that produce something beyond an idea of escaping hell or assuaging the anger of God through some incarnation of the Anselm Ransom Theory of Atonement or by trying to satisfy the wrath of God through some sort of good behavior. And instead, they are talking about our role in reconciliation and redemption. I've also found a lot of wisdom in the recovery movement and the emphasis on God consciousness and the awareness of God in every moment. Much like Brother Andrews practicing the presence of God, such awareness has always been a strong pull for me, but even more so the older I get. It seems to be the call of a creator who liked what he brought forth by his word, breath, and hand, and not that of an angry entity constantly creating rules and thinking about ways to punish us, but one who is pulling for us and trying to pull us into a better future by thinking of a God who was and is and always has been at work in reconciliation, and one who is willing to allow me to join in this process, which mostly requires the consciousness that the kingdom of God is already at hand. Most of the voices on this podcast, if you've noticed, have been distinctively Christian, though some are not. Uh, Many of our guests will bring their own ideas, and I really look forward to guests who will bring those ideas of God consciousness, faith, and hope from different angles. And my goal is to learn and find encouragement and hopefully share that encouragement in every podcast. And I hope that comes through. Today's guest is one such voice. Vanna is Senior Vice President of the Wild Goose Festival, which we'll get into in detail here. Uh, She's had a long and interesting path to that position, including a path that was leading towards being a, a music missionary and then Uh, a sidetrack that turned into a 17-year successful stint as a morning drive radio personality. And she's got a lot to say about her journey and a lot of interesting things to talk about on this Wild Goose Festival, which is the premier progressive Christian festival in the United States today. And I appreciate Vanna Fox dropping by to talk to us about both her journey and about the journey of the Wild Goose Festival. I find myself so often saying, uh, you just have to be there. But it really is like, if you can picture this massive party for 3,000 people that progressive Christians put on, but 
they include everyone. This year we have 17 different denominations and faiths from atheist, agnostic, humanist, all the way to Baptist and Catholic. Um, so it, it, the, the only thing we ask is that on campus you're respectful of other people's beliefs. We're not there to convert anyone. We're there to share ideas and co-create and work together kind of in a faith-based social justice movement. After my first time, and I went by myself because I couldn't find anybody to go with me, I, when I got back home, it was a time that I was doing a radio show. So they asked me, it, as you well know, when you do a radio show, you have to speak in sound bites. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted a sound bite of what the Wild Goose Festival was about. And I said, well, all I can say is, I walked through those gates and I looked around and went, where the hell have you people been? You're my people. <laughs> and then let me stop you real I, quick, man. Cause I, before you finish further, a uh, lot of people, Oh, you don't want me to say hell. No, you can say, you can say anything. Oh, worse okay. than hell. You can say anything you want to on this podcast. <laughs> I'll, if you say, if you get too far beyond hell, I'll just have to send a note to iTunes saying, you know, don't okay. let so, you can say, you can okay. say any damn well, thing you want to on this. Uh, but what I was okay, going to say, well, I, I won't, I won't know, use I want, my favorite word. Though. Well, you can use anything you want to. I don't care. Um, matter of fact, I've had people, I had Jay Baker on and you can imagine, what Jay had to say. Oh, uh, yeah. But uh, what I was going to say is, the uh, only reason I stopped you, and I don't want to b- break the flow, but I, I, a lot of people still no don't have any idea what the Wild Goose Festival is, where it is, what you said the campus. G- give, give people some feel who don't have any clue what this thing is from a logistics standpoint, what you're talking about. Okay. This is the seventh year of Wild Goose Festival. The first two years, it was at this little campsite in central North Carolina, and then we moved it to Hot Springs. Now, if you've not been to Hot Springs, North Carolina, it's only 28 miles kind of northwest of Asheville, but it takes about 45 minutes to an hour to get there because it's all those curvy mountain roads. When you get into Madison County and you cross that bridge over into Hot Springs, you've entered this other world. Main Street of Hot Springs is part of the Appalachian Trail. That gives you a good idea of of where we are. We we take over the whole campground. We set up all these massive, this year we're going to have 17 stages, set up all these tents, and everyone camps. So everyone has to camp. If somebody wants to come, they can't stay in a hotel and drive in. Well, they can. (laughs) But I I always encourage everybody, particularly their first year, to stay on campus because so much of community happens after all the programming ends. Well, I was telling you before we started recording, I I went to the earliest Jesus festivals all the way up into Jesus 75, then the earliest Cornerstone festivals, which are what you're talking about, camping out, you know. And uh that's where you do begin to see diversity in ways you don't if you drive in for the day. Oh, absolutely. And it really does just become this instant community. Vendors and people that come in for other reasons are just blown away by, you know, it's... Hokey is going to sound, it's kind of like this campground full of love. It really is just amazing how quickly people bond. You walk by, if somebody's cooking and you react to the smell of that food, you better believe you're going to be sitting down eating with them. It doesn't matter if you go by yourself. You're not by yourself long. And that's part of the whole concept that we are there to create a safe, sacred space for people to come together and talk about what we can do to make the world better. 
And it's just, it's amazing how it's caught on the variety, the diversity of people. We are absolutely affirming and accepting of anyone, any race, any sexual identity. Everybody is welcome there. It, and, and like I said, it really, really is hard to describe, but the sense I had when I left that first year was that I walked in among all these people from different faiths and different parts of the country, and it was safe enough that I could lay down all my broken pieces, and they would just hold me until I put them back together. And that, I think that that comes very close to describing what many, many people feel there. It's, it's so diverse and our programming is so diverse that whatever your focus is, you can pretty much fill up every day with that. Whether it's social justice, whether it's race-related issues, whether it's spirituality, whether you want to know more about preaching or you want to know more about um, material for your children and your youth at church, or if you're an atheist and you want to have conversations about how to bridge that gap and have that same goal of social justice and getting the world co-creating together. And we actually kind of do it. We are pretty much split evenly between spirituality, justice, music, and art. So there's all kinds of ways to express yourself and get involved with all the people around. Give me some idea of the really, kind of artists, speakers, musicians who perform there and who might be performing there this year. Well, this year, um, Reverend Barber will be speaking on Friday morning, and that's always followed by lots of conversation. I know right now his focus really is on on healthcare and he's kind of moved away from some of the things that he was doing just in North Carolina and is doing more of a global and, and, and obviously has a lot more attention since he's been Yeah, I saw that the story in the New York show. Times. It was a really good story in the New York Times that, that he was yeah. featured in. Now, he, he's one of our original. He was one of our original goose people. The only year he oh, missed you say goose. last year. Explain because... wild goose to me. <laughs> wild goose. Uh, the wild goose is actually the Celtic symbol for the Holy Spirit. And the the what this is modeled after, are you familiar with Greenbelt in England? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, this is this is an outgrowth from Greenbelt. Okay, now see I was not aware is, of that. Yeah, which is where beer and hymns, they call it um I think they do call it beer and hymns there as well. That's but the a whole long-term beer and hymns old festival. It's probably the only really long term old festival Christian festival in the UK been going on forever. Yeah. It is. And are are you familiar with Jim Wallace from Sojourners? Oh, absolutely. Okay, he was speaking in uh, England at Greenbelt. Uh, Joy Wallace, she's Wallace now. Have you seen the Vicar of Dibley on BBC? Mm-hmm. That's her. It oh, was okay. based on wow. her. Okay. They met there and got married, and she moved back to DC with him. So, I mean, they didn't get married the week they met. That's why I made it sound, didn't I? They got married at the festival and got married immediately. Um, so they were so high on Greenbelt. And she had been many, many times living in England. 
that they just got together a group of people that were interested in doing something similar here. And that's how we started. And you will notice at the festival, there's still a lot of things. You know, we've shifted a lot just because the culture's different. But there's still just a lot of things that we do the same. And we call our beer tent a pub tent. Well, and also so you're there, talking about, you're, how did it get located in one of the notches of the Bible Belt? I mean... <laughs> yeah, really. Um, the first uh, executive director lived in Raleigh. Okay. And Sequoia Hills is where they had it the, the first two years. And the, the infrastructure there just wasn't enough to maintain any growth. There were about 1,500 people the first year. And we had uh, 3,500 last year. So the, there was not the growth potential in Shakoi Hills. And while there weren't, weren't as many hippies hippie. over there either as when you get to Asheville. <laughs> exactly. Right. Well, yeah, the proximity to Asheville is very nice. Right. And we're about halfway between the Knoxville Airport and the Asheville Airport. But, you know, everything's a drive. The, the advantage to that I think to Hot Springs is there's very limited Wi-Fi and very limited cell service. So when people get there, they really unplug some because they don't have a choice, but it, it just adds, you, you don't see anybody walking the grounds looking at their phone and texting. Everybody's looking at each other and talking and it's wonderful. Well, let's step back now. We talked about who are some of the artists and speakers that influenced you, and who, oh, yeah. who are the, some of the ones coming this year that we, we people might have heard of? Um, well, Nadia Boltz Weber is one of my favorites, mm -hmm. and she comes about every other year, and this is one of her years. She's she will be our opening speaker on on Thursday night from Denver. Denver, she right? Just, She's from Denver, right? Right. Yeah. She is. Uh, her latest book, Accidental Saints, is just wonderful, and. And we'll do book signings with, with all these authors that are also there. So she's there. And then we've got uh, Otis Moss III from Trinity in Chicago, a really powerful, powerful speaker. Jim Wallace, of course, will speak. He is also doing a pre-festival event during the day on Thursday on the Matthew 25 Pledge. Hmm. Now tell me so what that, the Matthew 25 yeah. Pledge is. I don't know. I, understand. I know what Matthew 25 is. Uh, I uh -huh. could probably quote and, it to you from it, beginning to end, the whole message. But go ahead. I, 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 bet, I bet you could. Uh, it, it basically is taking a pledge that we're, you are going to help the least of these. And then the, the sessions that Jim will be leading will be how to take steps to do that. And it's actually a national movement right now. So I'm really excited that he's presenting it. He, he'll present it in a pre-festival, uh, calling it Justice Camp. And then he will also present that same thing to the entire group from main stage on Friday morning. Now, is that a movement coming so out that, of Sojourners, or is this a separate movement that's just the movement? It is. It is. It's, it's coming out yeah, of Sojourners? It is. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. And, yeah, and Sojourners has been a really good partner for us throughout this as far as helping connect us with good speakers until we got a big enough name that people would actually start calling and wanting to come there, which has been really fun. Uh, Diana Butler Bass will okay. be there. Uh, William Paul mm -hmm. um, Young, uh, the shack. Right. Will, yeah, will be there. Um, Sister Simone from Nuns on the Bus is our closing sermon on Sunday. 
So that should be really exciting. You know, she's she has been very, very active. She's another one that's been on The Daily Show and has been out really, really pushing uh, activism in the Catholic community. What about so, the other areas yeah, you're talking really about, artists and musicians? Um, the Shauna Bowman out of Chicago runs the art tent okay. and does all kinds of amazing interactive art things. And we'll have a lot of art displays. The one I'm most excited about this year, uh, a group of Navajo um, from uh, Colorado are coming in and they're going to be teaching how to make silver jewelry because that's one of the things they do. They'll also teach beading and stuff, but I'm particularly interested in watching them make that silver jewelry. So we have that kind of art thing. We have music in two places. We have a cafe where the smaller groups, there's music almost around the clock. And then we have main stage in the evening. And Last year, our headliners were the Indigo Girls, and we get them about every other year. They love us. Um, this year, it's Jennifer Knapp and uh, John Mark McMillan. Yeah, John Mark McMillan. I, I've had Jennifer oh, Knapp on the podcast. She's been on the podcast, yeah. so yeah. Yeah, and we're really excited because Jennifer's also agreed to do a book signing and to, te- and to teach a session in one of the other tents. So, so we're we're getting a lot of mileage out of Jennifer this year. Well, this year and uh, is this year going to be special because it seems like until the day after the election in November, the progressive mm-hmm. Christian activists were were busy, but not completely busy, not engaged in the way they are now. Is it that going to be a big deal for Wild Goose this year? I mean, it is going to be a big deal. We're actually teaching a couple of classes. We have someone coming in from D.C. that's going to talk about how to run for public office. So so we're we're not getting political because, right. you know, that everybody's welcome. And that class will not be about how to run for a specific office right. or how to run for, you know, Democrat, Republican, independent, ever how you want to run is fine. Uh, but taking all that we learn and all that we talk about and to the, if you're inclined, taking it to that next level and doing something, something with it actually as a politician or, you know, in, in some position that you can make a bigger change. Uh, we have uh, a transgender, uh, actually Episcopal priest out of Arkansas who's been doing a lot, a lot of work on everything that's happening in the transgender world, who will be doing a course on how to fight City Hall. So those are two things that we've never had before. We've always talked a lot about this is what needs to happen. And uh, now we're trying to give a little, and in general, throughout the whole festival, we're trying to make all the sessions as interactive as possible. But a lot fewer lectures and more workshops and panel discussions and leaving everyone with tools of what they can do when they get home. Not just get them fired up, but actually give them something that they can follow up with. So those those are those are the things that are I feel are really different for us. I think the attitude in general at Wild Goose and in the progressive community has really really kicked up a notch, and I'm seeing it in people's response to the festival. And in the sessions, we we take self submits from within the community for a lot of the sessions. 
and just the type of things they wanted to talk about, it, it, it feels like it's just much deeper, just more powerful this year. Let's and talk about that deeper put, and more powerful because we're talking about wild goose being the symbol of the Holy Spirit. Um, you talk about how that deeper, how the spirituality is woven into these things because you know you could you could have these sessions and all, and there not be a spiritual element. And you know there are some places that do. Talk talk about how it wild goose the spiritual um, aspect is woven into everything you're doing. It's really interesting to to sit in a group of people and be aware of all the different faiths that are there because we will have a, um, a humanist on the stage. We will have, uh, someone from the Jewish community. We, uh, we have sisters known as Catholic. So we cover, a, we have an atheist, uh, who is a regular who speaks, um, Frank Schaefer, you may know of him. Oh, yeah, um, Frankie Schaefer, yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows Frankie yeah, he, Schaefer. Uh, if you're my age, you know every, Frankie. <laughs> you, know, you know his dad, and then well, you remember Frankie, you know. Uh, uh, and, yeah, you know, the whole thing, particularly if you were our age and went through the split in the Southern Baptist Convention, you're mm-hmm. very aware of his father. Um, so, so there is so many different faiths. Uh, we have a Mennonite speaking and a Quaker, and so there's so many different basis of faith that what you will hear, you'll hear Jesus a lot and you'll hear God a lot, but you will hear spirit more often. And I think I think that just becomes natural because that's where everyone is connecting. Whatever they call God or whatever their belief structure is, the commonality at the festival is this belief that there's a spirit that they need to latch on to to take those steps that they need to take to go to the next level. And the, that's the reason I love the fact that we use the Celtic symbol of the Holy Spirit, um, because it's, it's, it feels in this country, it feels much broader. If, if our symbol was a dove, I think it would be very limiting for a lot of people. But the wild goose doesn't. And if you if you study any of the Celtic history, the wild goose is the wild and crazy side of the Holy Spirit. The oh my gosh, what is she gonna do now? And that's that is the sense at wild goose because you really never ever know what's going to happen. You know, we plan, but we try not to be too structured because we don't want to stop the co-creation that happens. And we provide areas where if they're in this conversation in a tent about the session that just happened and people are all fired up, there's a place for them to move to and continue the conversation. And I think it's safe to say that late at night or in between sessions is as powerful to everyone as the actual sessions themselves. It's uh, it. The, the only thing that it probably is aside from that is silent disco. But if you've never done a silent disco, it's absolutely essential. We thought minute, we were doing it for essential. the well, first, <laughs> Two things. Two things I want to mention that I want to get back to silent disco before okay. you get too far from it. Okay. One, you know, Jesus basically compared the Holy Spirit to the wind, which you sometimes can measure, sometimes can chart, but you sure can't make, any, make it do anything you don't want it to do. I mean, the wind's exactly. going to go and do it. But second... Um, it, 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 silent disco. You got to get give me silent disco. I don't have any idea. What you're about. 
Well, we thought we were doing it for the youth, but I think the adults have just as much fun. So there are young people There's, there, too. Uh, this is all ages kind of thing. Oh, yes. We have programming from three up. The youth programming is phenomenal, and they go hiking, and they go rafting. The children's programming, are you familiar with godly play? No. It, it's it's. I think it's primarily right now Episcopal churches that are using it, but it's a really wonderful Having, you know, structure just for between, the kids. We were talking about before we went on the air, both growing up Baptist, when I hear godly play, yeah. I think that's not going to be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. mean, think somebody has taken the fun out of play. I'm not sure how they did it. <laughs> well, the kids seem to really enjoy it. Okay. So the uh, name and, is deceptive. And it, <laughs> It is, well, it is for me and you. Okay. Uh, but um, the, uh, there is a sound ordinance in Hot Springs. So after midnight, everything has to be acoustic. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not fun to have a dance after midnight that's acoustic. But silent disco, you have a DJ spinning records. Everybody has on a headset. So you walk by that tent. <laughs> there's no <laughs> no music at all, and these kids and old people are dancing like crazy and singing along, and it is just so much fun. That is hilarious. Yeah, it really, really is. And after we do, after our sound ordinance, we do acoustic beer and hymns, which will always be hugely popular. If you, if there's one close to you. I guarantee that the person who started it came to Wild Goose because that's where they all started. And it's become very popular throughout the country. Well, and there's some unusual things. I had um, last fall, uh, I had Eric Guzman on here, and he was talking about a Christian shaman at Wild Goose. Matter of fact, he was the person who told me about Wild Goose. So, and I was, that's the first time. Pastor Nar. Yeah. I mean, you don't generally hear about Christian shamans very often. That's not something that comes up in conversation. Yeah. Actually, he and I both had insomnia last night, and we were messaging on Facebook. Um, he uh, He's very, very interesting, and I love what he comes early and, and does a cleansing and blessing of the grounds before everyone gets there, uh, and then does a couple of cleansing and blessing ceremonies during. We have um, foot washing that happens in the river. We have... Um, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of any other unusual things. We actually offer uh, 12-step times, uh, recovery meetings, oh, okay. twice, a, twice a day. And this year, one of those each day will be a 12-step Eucharist. Huh. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, I know. Could be a good it's, idea it's, if, just, if you've got a beer tent and you've got people there in recovery. <laughs> you might want to have an alternate yeah. activity plan for our friends. That are... Well, at, at the beer tent and at Beer and Hymns, we also have root beer. There you go. Because we have the kids there too. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So we the our the the beer tent sells beer, wine, and root beer. And we have food vendors there. You know, there's food trucks everywhere. Mm-hmm. So there's, you know, there's there's no lack of uh, the ability to find what you need. And because Hot Springs is such a tiny town and there's really nothing there, there's not even a grocery store in Hot Springs, It's it really does keep that community in the campground. Now, you're talking about the people, 3,500 last year, did you say? 
Uh, uh-huh. Is that about what you expect this year, that kind of number? Yeah, it may be a little lower just because some denomination has a conflict. I'm I actually can't remember what it was, but it, it'll be close. But they're yeah. from, from all over the country, or is this what we're, I mean? All over the country. Now, I would say that maybe 40% are within 100 miles okay. of Hot Springs, but then the other 60%, I we have a ride share uh, group on our Facebook page hmm. and watching these people trying to find rides from New York and Chicago and Florida and Baton Rouge. And they really, they come from everywhere. One of the things that we're trying to do is meet that need or the, the cry for us to do this West and other places. What we're working on, and we've done a couple are single day regional events mm-hmm where it's, it has, you know, we still want it to meet all four pieces and it has to be as open and diverse as, as we are at the festival. But other than that, we're trying to find programming that fits their need. Like we're looking in Chicago, we've been talking in Atlanta, Atlanta wants to do an all day revival. Perfect. We did one in Jacksonville, Florida in uh, March and it really was, it was very Florida, but it covered all the elements. And the people who kind of manage these on the regional level have been to the goose. You know, they're, they're very familiar with what happens there, and they're just wanting to bring a piece of it. We're not trying to replace or replicate the whole festival all across the country. What about We're just the, trying to take a piece of it. What about the neighbors in Hot Springs? How do they respond to you guys up there? Because, I mean, uh, that's not you know, traditionally been known as progressive country in the hills and uh, mountains. It's not. And, and do, do um, you have local clergy or anybody that comes, or is it, they scared of y'all, or are they happy y'all are there, or what, what, do, you, what do you get? I mean, <laughs> well, I think they were scared of us at first. Um, and I, I will tell you this quick story because I think it really establishes who we are. Um, oh, shoot, what's the Baptist group that they're not really Baptist? Uh, West Qu- West. You're talking about the West, Westboro. A uh, Westboro. Oh gosh, that, the, the West. That's Independent Baptist Westboro Baptist Church in out of Florida. Yeah, they're not bad. Yeah. I mean, well, even, even though I'm not going to defend Southern Baptists <laughs> after they're flip flopping around this week, but I will say I will give them and the American Baptists a complete pass that Westboro Baptist is not a part of either one of their traditions. <laughs> no, not at all. It's the tiniest church um, with the biggest PR budget of any any that I've ever. Well, it's it's amazing. Well, they showed up three years ago to protest outside on them on the Appalachian Trail on the main street and several board members went out and invited them in saying, you know, please come on in. We won't charge you. We just want you to see what's actually happening here. Well, they wouldn't. And it was just, just a really, really hot afternoon. So the board went and got food and water, took it out to them, and our board held the protest signs while the Westboro Baptist people ate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they've not been back. Um, that was but, no fun. No far, fun when you people are nice to us. <laughs> no fun at all. As far as local people, there is certainly mixed feelings about us being there. I have no doubt about it. And we're very, very cautious about uh, providing if we have... Uh, 
POCs, anyone who's uncomfortable that's not that isn't camping that's staying in town. We don't make them walk the streets. We we shuttle people back and forth. So we're very aware, and and we take very high security arrangements. We have a security company. We, I mean, we're really very, very careful about that. For me personally, you know, and, and I'll put it out there, you know, I'm from Asheville and I'm a straight white woman. So I'm, I am exactly what they imagine because I have the same accent and everything, Mm -hmm. but I've never, even when they find out who I work for, I've never gotten any pushback. Do you do any kind of and, any kind of mission ministry for the area? I mean, is that part of something y'all can or can't do? I was just curious because uh, yeah. uh, no, that we haven't. It, it is the festival is really much more about enabling the Wild Goose community, right? You know, we the Wild Goose Festival is not an activist. It's not a it. It's it's not a Black Lives Matter movement. Right. We will provide that kind of th- you know things about Black Lives Matter in the sessions, but but we're not there. To, that that's not our purpose. Our purpose is to convene and create a space where everybody can can learn together. We'll talk about learning together. When people, what do you? What is your goal when people leave there? Like the first time you left there. You went not really knowing, and you left there. What and what do you, what do you, what is your hope for people who are coming that they can leave there with what? That they find a little bit deeper place in themselves. That they've made a ton of friends, and honestly, for a lot of people, to figure out that they're not alone, it's amazing. Particularly seminary students. We have a scholarship program for seminary students and first call ministers. And they meet two days before the festival, and then they go to the entire festival. And those kids are always, you know, by the end of the first day, they're going, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm sitting in Missoula thinking I'm the only person that believes this way, that feels this way, that wants these things. So what we're helping everyone do, hopefully, is create a support community. And what kind of, uh, you know, you're saying that those 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 uh, seminary students have those kind of responses. What are some other things people have told you that left coming not knowing what to expect, how it's really changed communities or changed their lives? I think just being able to talk about things that they feel like they can't talk about at work or at their family reunion. Or I, I think that the, the community aspect is huge. Another thing, depending on, you know, what community they live in and where they come in from, for many people, they've never spent four days with transgender or openly uh, gay or, you know, there's, there's all these subgroups of people that they've never experienced. And I'm always surprised at the number of people that say, but they're just like me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they are just like you. And and guess what? God loves them just exactly the same way God loves you. And so that I think that that is one of the bigger achievements that we've made is just allowing a safe, sacred space where people can encounter someone so very different and understand that basically they're they're just exactly alike. 
it's fun to watch people come from big cities. I love it when the Chicago people get there. What do you mean I don't have cell service? <laughs> Although, let me say, we do have a landline emergency phone, so it's not like people are completely cut off. But but it, but it is it is truly like a teach like the young people how to experience. use it, though. That's a... <laughs> yeah, probably so. I hadn't thought of that. Worth the touch yeah, they, yeah, the young ones, yeah, they don't care. And if it rains, I guarantee it's going to rain. And that's when the kids are rolling in the mud. That was actually another thing that struck me my first year. The kids just run around because we don't allow cars on campus after the after it starts on Thursday afternoon uh, because there's so many people wandering around. And um, so the kids running everywhere, a kid stumbles, whatever adult happens to be walking by just picks them up, dusts them off and sends them on their way. So it really does. It becomes a village that takes care of each other. Okay, I'm guessing I this is. Believe. I'm guessing you didn't grow up in a village like that. <laughs> let's, well, let's you talk know, a little I bit did. about how your faith, let's talk about your faith journey, though. What what got you uh, on on the path to faith? How did you grow up in in your faith journey? Well, I'll I'll try to give you the abbreviate the abridged version. Um, I grew up in Asheville, and but I went to church in. Uh, tiny Southern Baptist church at the age of 12, I told the whole world I was going to be a music missionary. There was no doubt in anybody's mind. I was going to be a music missionary. I went to undergraduate school at Western majored in voice and flute, married a musician who also wanted to be a music missionary. We were at Ridgecrest, you know, back in the day. Oh, when Ridgecrest. You, absolutely. When they, when they would let me into Ridgecrest, they wouldn't let me in now. Oh. Um, you know, you understand that. This, <laughs> understand this was like in you know the seventies, the mm-hmm. mid seventies. Well, you kept getting um, bumped for Grady Nutt because he pretty much had a, <laughs> exactly. had a running gig there. Although, let's say, face it, Grady Nutt was hilarious. This stuff's still funny. Yeah. Really, really funny. But can you you know talk about um, that? I hate to run down that path. I don't interrupt you, but you know, even, even, even then. The fact that they were bringing in a comedian, they don't do that kind of stuff in traditional stuff now. You know, they were bringing in somebody who actually was funny and it wasn't everything was uptight and tied down as much until after the split. They take themselves so seriously. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Know, you were at Ridgecrest with okay, a mutant. I, 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 just don't, I just don't think Jesus takes himself that seriously. Anyway. <laughs> Jesus certainly doesn't uh, take yeah, them that seriously. <laughs> no. Uh, we're going to get struck by lightning any minute. Uh, I'm ready. Yes, we, we were at Ridgecrest for Music Week. They were We had gone through the whole process. They were getting ready to uh, do an altar call, as the Southern Baptists were wont to do. Um, for everyone who was going on the mission field to be a music missionary. I stood up and my husband pulled me back down. He changed his mind. He decided that that was not the direction he wanted to go. Well, this was 1978. You know, I, I could have left him, but Southern Baptist would have had nothing to do with me. So I just continued. <laughs> Forget the mission you know, field. They, they still won't admit yeah. that Lottie Moon was a preacher and, and Annie Armstrong preached. <laughs> They were just little speakers, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) There are two two saints of the Baptist Church are women, and neither one of them are considered pastors. I find that in. All right, so back to your story. Yeah, okay. So, you know, went on through, because this is a public podcast and somebody who knows him (laughs) might listen, I'm not going to go into the details of why we divorced, but it's 
the reason that many, many divorces happened within the Southern Baptist world, uh, particularly in the music field at that time. Um, so, you know, I just went on with my life doing everything I could do. And I, when the, so when the convention split, I left the Baptist church and went to work for Presbyterian church. And then for a while in Northern Virginia, I worked for a Methodist church. When I moved back to North Carolina to work at the radio station, I thank heavens that finally there's a Baptist church. So you were on the radio, just remind people, you were on the radio, you said, for 17 years? 17 years. I did a morning show on Mix 101.5, WRALFM, Raleigh, Durham, Cary, Chapel Hill. Give us a time check yeah. and some weather real quick. A little traffic update. Yeah. Um, the um, Greenwood Forest Baptist Church in Cary was one who had left the Southern Baptist Convention was affiliated with CBF and Alliance. And uh, and that's where I did my most growth and my most active growth. That's who ordained me. Uh, I'm studying at um, American Baptist Seminary of the West in Berkeley. And it's just, I, I, there's a lot about Baptists that I agree with, and there's a lot that I don't. Uh, the The problem is I'm going to get a T-shirt that says I'm not that kind of Baptist because I am in the South, and people assume. Mm-hmm. But then if they stop for a minute, because they always ask what denomination ordained me, and then if you say Baptist, they if they know anything about it, they know it's not Southern Baptist because they ain't going to ordain a woman. And you know, Van, um, I don't, I don't I keep interrupting you, but I think it's important to interject here because <laughs> you and I grew up in this, and people from I get I get emails from. I mean, other countries and stuff that have listened to this. There are many, 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 many really good, deep-hearted, good people sitting in some of those little churches that don't agree with half the stuff their leadership has done. And and I think it's always important that people who hear Baptists and think Westboro or think Bob Jones or think even some of the things the Southern Baptists, like this week when they flip-flopped on, I'm glad they flopped back the right way, though, on the alt-right kind of stuff. But um, yeah. the uh, they don't realize that many, many times those, even in those little mountain churches up there, because I've preached in some of those mountain churches up there, the people are not what you associate with the denomination many times. I just think that's not important to inter- interject that in there. Yeah. And and I I always feel guilty when I'm a little hostile about it. Uh, let me clarify that I, I have a lot of wounds from what I went through when they split, because in very public venues, myself and my choir was kicked out of the North Carolina Baptist Convention because they stayed much longer agreeing to disagree. And when you grow up in a denomination that agrees to disagree, that suddenly it's their way or the highway, it's very, very painful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and which is what you went through as well. I got and fired so, from so whoa. many churches. From <laughs> I understand. <laughs> and so, so the so it's not. I, I'm not. I'm not angry at the people. And and m- most of my family is Southern Baptist. I am. I am angry at at the process and how it happened, and that we lost the ability to agree to disagree. That of ability to agree to disagree is what has made this election cycle so difficult. But this isn't the first time you and I have experienced it. We went through it with the Southern Baptist Convention split. 
And, and it's, you get on the campus at uh, Hot Springs during Wild Goose, you'll be amazed at how many, as they like to call themselves, recovering Southern Baptists are at that festival. So, uh, so but it does, it, it does make it very difficult when, there, when there's so many wonderful people that you love that are going to those smaller churches. And most of the Southern Baptist churches are small now. They are. You know, the, the, lar- the larger ones have, have gone to CBF or just dropped Baptist completely in a couple of churches in Asheville. Oh, yeah, the, the larger ones. So, have. And I, you know, you mentioned that, though. I remember back in, like, the real early 80s and when I was at Golden Gate in, in Mill Valley. Of course, they completely closed that place down, moved it to a high-rise in L.A. so much for... But um, I can't tell them a little yeah. bitter about that. But I mean, I would. Some people would be. They were some of the nicest people I'd ever met. And if they asked what what I was doing, and I would say I'm a student at the seminary, if they found it was bad, it would almost recoil. And this was, you know, yeah. many years ago. So there is this visceral reaction people have, and I, I understand it. But I also yeah. the, the reason I bring that up is like you said, much of my family is, and I know a lot of people that if you sit down and have lunch with them, they don't agree with you know, a, a lion's share of the stuff they're hearing people argue about, you know. I don't know why they stay in their churches, okay. but they, they don't. Well, it's their community. It's their support group. And that's the one and thing that, you know, those little, we used to call it Hillbilly Baptist Church. The one thing they really, now they'd get up in your business when it wasn't their business, but if something <laughs> happened to one of their own, they they did community. I mean, they may not take care Absolutely. of you when nothing's going wrong, but when something goes wrong, you suddenly have community. And that's that is that's my objection to these mega churches. Um, sometimes it's over the theology, but it's also over the fact that there's there's that loss of community, and we all need community. Every single one of us. We we cannot walk this alone. I guess you can try, but I I can't imagine how empty it would feel. If, if you walk this life alone. And yet, what you, I agree with what you're saying. I look at all the things, and yet when you look at the fastest, largest growing churches, they're the flat screen churches, you know? Some, there's something that's pulling people there, looking for a community, and yet they're the those massive 30,000, 29,000 kind of numbers are almost all on those lists are the flat screen churches that just have one central office and then um, franchises around scattered. But anyway... Yeah, but you you really don't want to hear my opinion about that. Why not? You don't want to go down that <laughs> If you don't have an opinion, don't you remember being on the radio without an opinion? If you don't have an opinion, nobody's going to call in. That's the... Okay, for me, and let me clarify, this is just for me. I'm only speaking from my soul. Um, that's Christian entertainment. My experience with those churches and the people who go to those churches is that it's it's very surface, it's it's very entertaining, but not a lot of growth and not a lot of deep digging. Uh, do you know Mar- Do you remember Marva Dawn, Marva the Dawn. theologian that she was blind, almost blind. Um, I don't think I do. She's our generation. Oh, she's she's just amazing. She has written a book called Reaching Out Without Dumbing Down. And I heard her at Montreat when I when I they wouldn't let me in the gates at Ridgecrest anymore. I switched PCUSA and went to Montreat Conference on Worship and Music. Um, and she made the most profound statement. She said, 
when you leave church on Sunday morning and you feel the same way you felt when you left the nightclub on Saturday night, why be church? Why be church if we're not offering something different? Well, and I, and think, I could not agree more. Uh, but I think that question, though, resonates beyond just those churches you're talking about. I think it's, you know, the, the most recent uh, surveys I've seen, I've mentioned on the podcast before, um, more than a quarter of our millennials don't don't see themselves as atheists. They see the whole faith idea as irrelevant. Yeah. And so it's not, well, a, it's, it's not an it's, argument it's, anymore. It's just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, that's good for you, but we don't really care because we don't see... And yet they look for community in other places. Well, it's because they can get that same kind of community somewhere else. We're not offering them anything different. And part of it is the music. And I am the first to admit that I'm a music snob. That's what, you know, I have my degrees are in that, you know, I, I, I'm putting that right out there. But I have a friend who calls most of the contemporary Christian music. And it's wonderful entertainment. I like to put qualifiers on things. But she calls it Jesus is my boyfriend music. And if you can replace Jesus with your boyfriend's name and not, it doesn't change the texture of the song, then we're not giving people anything different. Well, that's a fairly, I'm going to say, though, that is a fairly last 20 years that, that you know, and of course, you had its own set of problems when contemporary Christian music of the 70s when people were not writing boyfriend music, you know, it became an industry and right. then got kind of, you know, corrupted out of that way. But you're right, when the in the original worship stuff out of Maranatha, you know, the stuff out of Calvary Chapel, and all was nothing like that. Uh-huh. But nothing at but, all. But you're right, at some point it became something you could substitute. In it. And that didn't mean it's not meaningful to somebody. And, I, and again, I always point out, because I people do tend to say I'm too cynical, so I, I'm trying to measure that out a little bit. You're talking about qualifying things? <laughs> I'm, I, I, the older I get, the more I'm, I'm on the side of anybody doing anything good, no matter how bad the system yeah. they're in is, no matter how the church they're doing things, because all those churches you're talking about are also doing some really good things in the community. I think about, you know, every year, uh, Charles, uh, Andy Stanley's church, North Point, they get together with 30, mm-hmm. 30, 33 other churches and fund nine nonprofit salaries for the year in Atlanta. I mean, stuff like that kind of overrides oh, yeah. some of the, the downsides to what we're talking about, you know? Yeah, and and you know I'm speaking just for my personal. Right. Uh, the 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 encouraging thing to me is how many seminaries from all different denominations are adding a social justice track to their seminary degrees, and that is the most encouraging thing that I've seen in the last really since I've been at Wild Goose. Are Southern Baptists doing that? No. Okay, I, I didn't think they were. I just, they've always had that social work deal you could do. You know, that was probably as close as you yeah, could get. Yeah, well, that's, that's where that's they pushed different. all the, yeah, that's, that's where they tried to push you if you were a social justice person and doing street yeah, work and stuff. Different. They tried to push you. They, tried, <laughs> they were they really different to, things. They, they are, but they tried to push you in the Masters of Social Work program. But, you know, uh, colleges, well, university now, like Gardner-Webb, um, is, does have a social justice track. Now, they're not funded by the Southern Baptists anymore. Wake Forest, who no longer has Southern Baptist funding, has a social justice track. You mean the demon Duke has Van on the demon deacon. The demon (laughs) deacon. Duke has a social justice, Vanderbilt, Princeton, uh, Union Seminary in uh, New York. And there's the major seminaries are adding social justice tracks to their 
yeah, so that that's really, really encouraging to me. Right. And it, it is, you know, people uh, look at churches and legacies and, and those kind of things as the long term things, like you were saying, are community and uh and, and the other thing, too, really, just from a standpoint of, of, of pragmatic approach to history is we're responsible for our generation and not to build some sort of long-term legacy that this is going to be here 20 years from now, 30, 50 years from now, and, and, and be just as, I mean, we're responsible for now. Right, because the need is going to be so different 50 years from now. Well, I tell people, I had somebody I mean, arguing with me about church polity one morning. It's really weird because it wasn't, I was on the radio, morning radio show. It wasn't a religious station or anything, but somebody had called in and was talking about church because I had said something, and they were quoting to me that churches should be run. They were quoting A.W. Tozer to me about church polity, and I reminded them that within about a generation and a half after his death, his church in Toronto was a Hare Krishna temple. So don't, don't you know... <laughs> Pay attention yeah. to when you're starting to <laughs> criticize people for things you don't say. But, but yeah, you know, like I said a while ago, though, there, everybody. I'm glad to hear those seminaries are doing that. And I think within every organization, there are people, you know, really trying to do something good. And and I'm glad that you know the things we're talking about, where people that are doing that and are within systems where they feel oppressed or trapped, can meet other people who are doing the best they can where they are. Yeah. Well, and. I, just to tell you briefly how I got from the radio station to Wild Goose. I mean, I went the first time by myself. Second time I took my preacher from Greenwood Forest, who's now at Myers Park Baptist in Charlotte. And oh my gosh, he's doing amazing social justice things at that church. What's his name? Um, uh, ben Boswell. Okay. We'll give him a shout out if he's and, doing amazing things. Let's let's brag on people. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy what they're doing. Um, but so he was with me, and it just became clear, if if we, and we joked about this, if we made a movie of all the things that happened to me during that second festival I attended, no one would believe it. You would leave it going, that, that, many, that many things just doesn't happen. But the end result was that I came home, and he and I had long talks about a discernment process for me. And then in December, my father was in Asheville in ICU, and I was sitting with him, just, you know, thinking about all the things he didn't do that he probably wanted to do and always told us he wanted to do. While I'm sitting there, I get a phone call from the board chair and the president of Wild Goose saying, you know, we really want you to do development work for us. We need you to do it full time, but we don't have the money. And I said, well, tell me what kind of money you can come up with. And I went back to the church, and there was lots and lots of conversation. You know, I was I was doing a morning radio show in a major market, so I was doing okay, mm-hmm. you know, after being there that long. Capital Broadcasting, mm-hmm. hooray, they're wonderful. Uh, but... Um, it was a lot of tears and a lot of late nights and a lot of decisions. And then I decided in February, I didn't leave until April, but in February I decided to sell everything I had and buy an RV. And the church helped support me in addition to what Wild Goose could pay me at the time. And I left the radio station and everything behind and went to work for Wild Goose. And when was that? That was two years ago. This will be my third festival. Any regrets? Actually, it was, 
Um, every once in a while, I really miss being Vanna Fox on the morning show. <laughs> and and being there so long, I had, you know, such an amazing support group. I miss the church like crazy. Uh, the, the people there have just been so supportive and so wonderful. But bottom line, I would do it exactly the same way again in a heartbeat. I This was... This was such a clear call and everything just as simple as, oh my gosh, I just, I'm so tired. There's so much to do. I will invariably get a call or a message from somebody going, thank you for all you do. Do you know how much wild goose means to me? It's, it just never, ever ceases to happen that I get exactly the encouragement I need exactly when I need it. And I, this wild goose is so much bigger than me. And the mission of wild goose is so much bigger than me. It's just, it's amazing to be a part of it. And if I, if, if the wild goose Holy spirit can use me to make any difference in making this happen, then that's exactly where I need to be for as long as I need to be here. Well, you, you mentioned music. Is music still a real important part of your life, or do you still sing? Do you? Are it you, is. Are you going to be singing at I, Wild Goose? Yet. I'm not singing. I don't have time. I work too hard. <laughs> Someday. That's I mean, prime I sing, time for I you sing and, walking around yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it is. Um, I really get maybe the most consecutive sleep I get would be two hours. Pretty much the the main staff is on call. 24 hours the whole time we're there, you know, cause little things happen and you know, we're there. Something's going to go wrong. This is what I tell my volunteers. I promise you that something's going to go wrong. Our job is to make it last the shortest amount of time as possible. And so, you know, if staff's not available, that problem, whatever it is, is going to go on too, too long. So we're, we all, we, are right there in the middle of the campus, and we're all available on radio throughout the entire festival. So, no, I don't get to sing. Oh, I'll sing along. Oh, we've got a gospel choir coming from Chicago, from Trinity Baptist, um, Sunday morning. So I, I I'll have to sing along with them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, remind me the dates again. People can still register and come, right? Yes, we do still have tickets, and we actually... Soon we'll have day passes if you're close and want to just check it out for a day. The the dates are July 13th through 16th, and the t- everything about us and the tickets are on wildgoosefestival.org. That's easy to remember. Yes, we well, try I hope to folks will get out there and uh, and check it out. Uh, I have to take a look at my schedule and see what I, I don't know. I would love to come up and just talk. To I was going to say folks. I can't. I thought I, I might try to bring a mic up and do some pod, get some podcast interviews in while we're... <laughs> well, you know, we have a podcast tent. You right. want me to put you in touch with our podcast? Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that when we finish here. That sounds good. We'll, yeah. We'll do logistics in a minute. Okay, the last few questions we're going to ask here are questions I ask uh, uh, everybody that I've had on the, the, the podcast. Uh-oh. Since. All right, the first one I should have practiced. Yeah, you should have practiced. <laughs> I should have... I don't send them an exam, so... It should be... The third one's the easiest. The second one is... Could be... Okay. Uh, could be a tome that you'd never finish. And the first one is just... In, okay, do you believe in hell? A literal hell? Nope. Nope. 
You want to tell me why or why? <laughs> Most people don't just say Gee, no, Vanna. You've, you've been on the radio before. You've interviewed people. Don't say no and just stop talking. Uh, you well, should you, know better you, than that. You, Shame you, on you. You should you, know better than that. <laughs> you asked me if I believed in hell, and I said no. <laughs> a, a God of grace and glory would not send anyone to hell. There's, there's, I, I believe that hell became as a way to, to manipulate people and to believe a belief structure that they wanted to use. And, and you and I can go way back into the theology of it, sure. but we won't do that right no, now. But good. no, I don't, I don't believe there's that literal hell. All right, the next uh, well, uh, some, some people are living in it right now here on earth, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. The next one's more fun. Who is Jesus? Have you, have you seen the uh, shack? <laughs> Ask me who the Holy Spirit is, because that's my favorite character in the Read shack. Read the book. Uh, <laughs> the Holy Spirit's not the most popular member of the Trinity. I'm sorry. Just because he's your favorite doesn't mean... <laughs> no, no, no. Je- Jesus is. Jesus, indeed, uh, I do believe, was God's son. Also a very radical human being. His walk was one of that, that I really would love to be able to model, and I fail at it on a daily basis. But the most important people to him were the people that we consider marginalized. He never turned his back on anyone. He loved absolutely everyone. It was, not, it was never about him. I actually kind of think that calling ourselves Christians might be a little horrifying to him. Because that's, he didn't want notoriety. He wanted to create a loving environment that crossed all the boundaries. Do you want me to keep going on no, my you, dissertation? You, that's good. No, that's good. I'll just, <laughs> let, you, I'll just, I'll just let you talk to you finish because that's good. That's, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think that pretty much captures who Jesus is to me. Okay. And this next one should be real easy. Or maybe you have to think about it. When was the last time you laughed so hard you couldn't catch your breath? Okay, I'm one who laughs so hard that I pee on myself, and it actually happened happened just a couple of days ago. And now you're going to ask me what was funny, and I don't even remember what we got started about, but it was with my best friend, who is just also an amazing musician and organist in in Apex. Hey, Helen. Um, She... uh, it was one of those conversations where one of us said something and we started giggling and then everything that we said after that just got funnier and funnier and funnier until we were just, I mean, I was almost sick. I laughed so hard. So yeah, I do that. (laughs) Well, that's, that's good. That's healthy. Yeah, it is healthy. Okay. After wild goose is over, uh, what's next? You're planning for the next year's wild goose. You've got anything else big planned? Yep. I will start working on, uh, by by Friday afternoon, when I figure out everything is running okay, I will start thinking about how to make it better next year and what we need to repeat and what we need to change. We'll be working on doing regional events, but on a personal level, I'm working with a local bar in Asheville to plant a bar church. So um, the, the block off Biltmore, downtown Asheville, as an amazing building, it's the oldest African-American social hall in the country. George Vanderbilt built it for his workers in downtown Asheville so they would have a place to be. And um, a friend has turned the bottom corner into a 
Vegan Social Justice Bar, a community bar, and we're going to start a bar church there. So that's my next big project. Are you going to be the pastor? Yep, I am. Okay, sounds great. That's uh, we'll have to follow up on that when you get that going. That that when when do you hope to have that up and running? Well, we're working on. You know, we actually got really excited about it about the same time that everything hit me with wild goose. So it it will probably be August before we make really great strides. But it's getting a lot. The conversations we're having with the community. Because of the job I do at Wild Goose, I'm going to have to have people fill in. I have I have more pastors wanting to fill in for me than I will ever be able to use. Um, and, and it's just such a delightful spot. And it is also a spot in downtown Asheville that was primarily African-American uh, that is now uh, gentrified some. But they're building apartments around. And one of the huge apartment buildings that they're building there is for everything from free to very expensive penthouses. So it's this real mix of neighborhood that we're going to be sitting in the middle of. And that's, that's just really, really, really exciting to, to think about getting to work with people from, the, from such varied backgrounds. Well, that sounds exciting. Well, Vanna Fox, I, I've had a good time. This was fun. I enjoyed talking to you. And I hope the Wild Festival is the best one ever and that people who go walk away different and uh, it changes their lives. Yeah, I hope I didn't get you in too much trouble. Yeah, you're very mild. I've had people way further out there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm basically at heart a peacemaker. I don't like to fight. And so it it is really hard for me to be really outspoken about things that I know people are going to disagree with. Mm-hmm. I just, I want to keep the peace. I want, I want to build that bridge. Well, that sounds like so one of the major wild goose, one of the things you guys have kind of built into your whole system there, right? Building bridges? Yeah, I, peace. Yes, I hope so. Making peace. Well, like Absolutely. I said, we'll have to follow up next year when you got your church going and we'll, we'll uh, talk again. A gear the wild goose. The God that cannot be tamed, the Spirit of God that can't be tamed. It reminds me every time I hear people talk about it, and there have been books written about this and other things, talking about the Holy Spirit's the adventure side or the side that's active uh, in in human beings. But uh, it reminds me of G.K. Chesterton's book, The Man uh, Who Was Thursday, which talked about you know the wildness of God. And if you haven't read it, it's like anything else by Chesterton. It's definitely worth your time. Well, that's it for this edition of the Thinking God podcast. I hope you'll join me here again next time when we talk to people of faith and hope and folks who have a voice that encourages us all. You say you want to start something new and it's breaking my heart, y'all. to get by just upon a smile Oh baby, baby it's a while I'll always remember you like a child